Welcome to the Glasgow Baptist Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Erdie Carter. We want to help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. Well, good morning, Glasgow Baptist Church family. It's good to see your smiling faces this morning. If you have your Bibles, go with me to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. So open up a pew Bible, open up your Bible, or turn on an app or something, and go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Hey, this week there was something that uh, I was shocked over, and I don't know if you caught it. It's one of those things that, that happened, and most people really probably didn't pay attention unless you just love coffee, and unless you just were were um, in tune with what was going on on Friday. On Friday, um, Howard Schultz is the CEO of Starbucks Coffee. And those of you know, I, I drink a lot of coffee and, and drink it at all hours. And so Starbucks is one of those things I, I pay attention to and I stop and get quite often. But on Friday, he, he issues a video with an apology. And the backstory is, Howard Schultz is the CEO. He's been the CEO of Starbucks three times. And so what happens is, he's the CEO, gets it all in good shape, and then he retires, and somebody comes along and messes it all up. So they call him back, hey, can you come back and fix it? So he comes back and fix it, and then he retires again, and then again, somebody messes it all up. So this is his third time being CEO. Well, on Monday of, last, of this past week, he sends a video message to all Starbucks employees, basically telling them, hey, we've, had, we've made a lot of false promises that we can't keep. And those days are done. And so by Friday, he, he issues to the national news media another letter and video that says, listen, we're going to make promises that we can keep. We've made, we've, made, we've made promises for short-term gain that had effects that we couldn't keep. But those days are done. We're only going to make promises we can keep. Now, here's the thing. I was caught off guard by that because, I mean, let's just be honest. How many times has somebody broken a promise to you? And then they stand up and say, I'm sorry, we made a mistake. I mean, we, don't, we live in a world that that doesn't happen. We've all had people break promises to us. I mean, think, think about all the promises that people have made to us. They make all sorts of promises. Every time it's an election year, somebody makes a promise that they're going to change the way the government looks and how things are done. And yet, look at where we are today. And we've had... We've had bosses promise us, oh, we're going we're gonna to make things better here for you. And, and those promises are broken. And so it was a shock to me to have a CEO of a company publicly come out and say, we've made promises we can't keep and those days are done. We're going to start keeping our promises. That's a powerful, powerful thing. Because again, every one of us have had a broken promise. Now, let's be honest, not everybody sets off to break promises. Some do. Some, listen, there are some promises you know the moment they are told are going to be broken. 
For example, remember middle school voting for your class president? And in middle school, the cl class president, one of the candidates was running and said, listen, if you vote me class president, we'll only go to school four days a week. And everybody votes for them. Why? Because we only want to go four days a week. But listen, they can't make that promise. Or well, sorry, they make the promise, but they can't keep that promise. But we all vote for them anyhow. But then there's other promises that we make that we desire to keep, but really it's just hard for us to keep. For example, if I was to come home tomorrow and tell my wife, listen, I'm going to cook you an amazing meal. Sit back, put your feet up. And let me do all the cooking. My wife would know that's a promise that I may want to keep, but I'm not going to keep. Because I, while I can cook a few things, there's nothing I can cook that's amazing. Her job is amazing. I'm not amazing. Okay? And so she knows my heart may be in the promise, but I'll never live up to the promise because I don't cook amazing things. I go to amazing restaurants. I mean, that's how I work it. So, that's how it works. So, sometimes we find ourselves in promises. And some promises are never, are made, but are never going to be kept. Some promises are, we make them, and our heart wants to keep them, but we really just can't keep them. This morning, I want to talk to you about God being our promise keeper. On Easter Sunday, we celebrate resurrection, that Christ came from the dead, that on the third day he rose from the grave. And because of that, we know that he is a promise keeper. In fact, he's the only one who can promise and keep it. The rest of us, we make promises, but we may or may not be able to keep them. And so this morning, I want us to look at that and understand that. Now, before we read our text, let me, let me give you some context behind our, our scripture passage this morning. We're in 2 Corinthians. The church at Corinth, if they were writing a reality TV show for them today, it would be church gone wild. Because the Corinthian church was just a mess. In fact, we have, we have people showing up to church early to get drunk on communion before the service begins. We have prostitution going on and thinking, oh, that's okay, we can do that with the temple prostitute. We, we have people inside the church suing one another, families fighting with one another. All that happens in the first letter that Paul writes to the church at Corinth. The second letter comes and we begin and we, we find that now all these people are in conflict with one another and they're beginning to argue about Paul because Paul didn't show up. Paul made this deal, said, hey, listen, I'm going to come visit you. And then on my way back from Macedonia, I'm going to come back to you again. And Paul, it didn't happen. And so what was happening is those who didn't like Paul or the message of Christ began to say, well, listen, we can't even trust what he says about showing up here. Maybe we can't trust his, the God that he preached. And so that's where we find ourselves this morning in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, would you stand as we honor the reading of God's holy word? We'll, we'll pick up at verse 15. Because of this confidence, I plan to come to you first so that you could have a second benefit and to visit you on the way to Macedonia and then come to you again from Macedonia to be helped by you on my journey to Judea. Now, when I planned this, 
was I of two minds? Or what I plan, do I plan in pure human ways that, so that I say yes, yes, and no, no at the same time? As God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaim to you, Silas and Timothy and I, did not come yes and no. On the contrary, in him it's always yes. For every one of God's promises is yes in him. Therefore, through him we also say amen to the glory of God. You may be seated. So, Paul doesn't show up. And they get upset. They get, they get to a point where they want to discredit Paul. And it's all because Paul, just something else was pressing. It's like if you've ever told your children while we're out, we'll try to go to your favorite store. And because something else happened, you couldn't do it. They get upset and go, well, you lied to me. Well, no, I didn't really lie to you. I didn't. It's just this has happened and we've got to move on. Well, the church at Corinth began to discredit Paul. And Paul knew, you keep this up, you're going to discredit the message of the gospel. So here's the big idea I want you to catch this morning. It's real simple. God will not lie. Therefore, he will not break his promises so we can believe what he proclaims to us. God will not lie. God is not a God who tells you one thing to tickle your ears and then does another thing. He is a God who tells us the truth. He speaks truth into our lives. So let me give you a couple takeaway points from this text this morning. First one is, Simply this, God does not lie. And verse 18, we find this, God is faithful. Our message to you is not yes and no. In other words, God is faithful. He will do what he proclaimed he will do. As we read the, the Bible from beginning to end, we find that God speaks truth to us. And as he speaks truth, that truth rings out. In fact, there are places in Scripture where God says, this is what's going to happen, and it does happen. Look, look at Isaiah with me. Isaiah 48, 3 says, Long ago, I told you what was going to happen. Then suddenly, I took action, and my predictions came true. My predictions came true. I told you what was going to happen. I told you that that was going to come a place. And when that happened, you would know I am God. All through the T Old Testament, we find God showing up and predicting things. We find in the Old Testament that he would send his son. We find that his son would take the sins of the world. Now, oftentimes, people find themselves asking, can God change his mind or does God waver? Does, does, God, does God say one thing and sometimes do another? In fact, 1 Samuel 15, we find where God would say, uh, go back just a slide. We're not ready for that one. You got ahead of me. <laughs> she read the text. But in 1 Samuel 15, God says, I regret the day I made, I put Saul as king. And so people will go, well, does that mean that God changed his mind? No, God didn't change his mind. God doesn't waver. He doesn't lie. It, it, it's like this. 
When I was growing up, my dad had this, he had this idea of discipline. It was called a leather belt. And that leather belt went across my backside. And, and that happened, um, I know it surprises you, but that happened quite often in our house, uh, almost like a daily occurrence. And there was a moment and my dad said, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. Now, when he said that, several thoughts ran through my mind. Well, if this is going to hurt you more than it hurts me, let's just stop because we've been doing this a while and it's just probably killing you. One thought. The other thought was, let's trade places and see how that goes. I, neither thought did I ever express out loud, just so you know, because it was safer for me not to do such a thing. But as I've become a father, I began to understand what that meant. I, I understood that when you have to discipline your child, it hurts. And you discipline them, not because you're mad at them or angry at them, but because you love them. So when God says, I regret putting Saul as king, it reveals a great love for Saul. A man who had been rebelling, a man who, who, who turned his back on God. And God says, I regret that. But here's the thing, just like my dad, just because he might hurt, it doesn't mean he's not going to punish. And God needs to do that. And so, in 1 Samuel 15, God doesn't change his mind. He just expresses a heart that says, this is painful for me because you've rebelled. But I wouldn't change it. I'm still going to discipline you because that's what happens. And just so we know that this is not a moment for God to say, oh, I've made a mistake. Look at what he says in verse 15, uh, verse 15 29. He says, and he who is the glory of Israel, which is God, will not lie, nor will he change his mind. For he is not human that he should change his mind. So gets that. He says, I regret this. But he wouldn't change it. In other words, You'd still be king and I'd still punish you. I'd still do what I have done. And just like a father would let a child experience life and then in that moment discipline a child, he would still do that. So God is not a God who lies to us. God speaks truth into our life. God tells us what's going to happen. Over and over through scripture we find that. Jesus even told us, you destroy this temple in three days I'll rebuild it. Not a lie, he did. It wasn't the temple they thought. It was the true temple. So we find in these words, Paul reminding us that God's not a liar. The second thing we find in this text is simply this. God is a promise keeper. He's a promise keeper. It says in verse uh, 20, every one of God's promises is yes in him. Therefore, through him, we also say amen to the glory of God. He is a promise keeper. So let's think about it for a second. What are God's promises? If you search scripture, what are the promises that God has for you and for me? Well, there's many promises, more than we can take in the next two hours that we have together. So let me just share a few with you uh, in, in the time we have. So the first promise I want you to catch that God has, he's a God who answers prayers. God answers prayers. 
No, no, listen. He doesn't always answer prayers the way you want him to or I want him to. Listen, there are days I want to pray, Lord, would you just, and I just get frustrated and let it be known. But God doesn't do that. God is a God who answers prayers. Sometimes those prayers are yes, no, not now, or wait. Listen, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm not real fond of the wait one. I'm like, let's get it on. Come on, right here, right now. But he answers prayers. Here's how we know that. Matthew's gospel tells us this. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. And knock, and the door will be opened to you. Verse 8 tells us, for everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. God is a God who answers prayers. He tells us in his word. We see over and over prayers being answered. We see in battle where we pray for the day to stand still, and it does. We see God responding to prayer in Daniel in the lion's den, and the lion's mouths are being closed. We see over and over God is a God who responds in prayer. Our responsibility is to pray. His is to answer the prayer. That's a promise. A second promise I want you to catch is God gives guidance. God gives guidance. I don't know about you, but there are moments in my life that I just, I need guidance. And, and sometimes that guidance has been as clear as a burning bush in my life. Then other moments of guidance has been a lot less like, one, it's more like wandering in the wilderness. God, when are we going to get there? Show me the way. But God is always giving guidance. We just have to trust him. And, and in that trusting him, he's going to lead us. He is a God who gives that guidance to us. Because his word tells us. And remember, he doesn't lie and he, and he keeps his promises. So he gives guidance. Here's, here's what we find in scripture, Proverbs. In all your ways acknowledge him. and He will make your path straight. Now what does that mean? That means no matter what we're going through in life, we've got to acknowledge there is a God bigger than what we are facing. The, the people of Israel, the reason they wandered in the wilderness 40 years, is because they took their eyes off God. And when they did, God just let them wander. And God gave them the punishment of the 40 years. When you and I take our eyes off God, what happens is we begin to do things our way. And our ways are not his ways. And sometimes our ways take us further from where God wants us to be. When we acknowledge him and his ways, he'll lead us down paths. Sometimes that path seems crazy. Some that, sometimes that path seems like I cannot believe God is doing this or calling me to do this. But if we're faithful, God gives that guidance and, and, and he brings us the victory or puts us in the places he wants us to do. It's all about trusting in the promise keeper, trusting in the one who gives us guidance. Another promise we find in, in scripture is that God promises he'll conquer sin. He'll conquer sin. Listen, every one of us in this room have an issue with sin. And God conquers that sin in our life. We all have a sin problem. Turn to your neighbor and say, you got a sin problem. 
Now let them turn back to you and tell you you've got a sin problem. Right? Listen, not, no one of us in this room has, has conquered sin. It's only through Christ. Look at what Paul tells us in Romans. Romans 6, 14 says, For the sin is not, for sin will not rule over you, because you are not under the law, but under grace. Friends, because of Jesus Christ, we fall under grace. Because the grave is empty today, it is the grace of God who has redeemed us and saves us. And there's no better place to be. There's no better place to be. It removes that sin. It makes us pure. It makes us holy. And grace. Grace is what we need. Friends, we wouldn't want to live under the law because we're no one perfect. But by God's grace, we can conquer sin. Which leads me, if we have sin in our life, then, then there means this guilt. If you've ever been guilty, guilty because you've done something, guilty because you know you did wrong. One of the promises God has is he removes guilt. He removes that guilt from your life. I can't tell you the number of times people have, have sat down and talked and, and they struggle with their past. They struggle to re- tell me all that they've gone through, the struggle that they've had in their past and what they need to conquer. But the truth of the matter is when Christ conquered sin on the gri- cross, He removed our guilt. He removed that guilt so that we could have life everlasting. It was a guilt that has been taken from us. Paul says in Romans 8.1, he says, he says simply this. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. In other words, God says, don't worry about it. I paid for it. Don't worry about it. It, Your your debt's been taken care of. Don't worry about it. Let Christ pay that bill. Two more promises that we see in Scripture. We see he offers eternal life. Listen, the Bible tells us we're all going to live forever somewhere. The question is where? And in Christ, we have eternal life. Eternal life. Eternal life in the presence of our God and our Savior. It's either eternal life with God or or eternal damnation apart from God. It's only two choices we get. We don't come back reincarnated as a cat. We don't come back reincarnated as a person. We, We either spend eternity with God the Father or we are eternity separated from God in torment. And Christ's promise to us, or God's promise to us, is eternal life. You know this verse, John 3, 16, we see it all over the place. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And I love that verse because of the whoever. It doesn't say whoever gets their life in order can come to me. Whoever gets cleaned up first can come to me. It's whoever 
It doesn't matter what your past is. It's whoever. Just trust him. He offers eternal life. That's his promise. Which leads me to the, the final promise that we'll talk about. He provides salvation. Listen, if God's going to offer us a way to conquer sin, a way to conquer guilt, if he's going to offer us eternal life, that means he's going to provide salvation. And that's what happened on the cross. Salvation was provided for all those, for the whosoever. Romans 6.23 tells us this. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's real simple. So, hear me carefully this morning. God is a promise keeper. His word is true. The question for us is how do we respond to that word? How do we respond to that? If you look back to the verse that we were talking about this morning, in verse 20, it says this, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. The amen means yes. May it be so. The question for us this morning is, do we say amen to the idea that God doesn't lie and that God is a promise keeper? If we can say yes to that, then we can say yes to To him conquering our sin, helping us overcome the guilt in our life, receiving the eternal life, and spending eternity with the Father. The question is, can you say yes this morning? Can you say yes to, to what God is doing in your life? Can you say yes to, to trusting him? Growing up, one of the things I used to, to watch on Saturday morning was was cartoons. Uh, at our house, we only had three TVs, or three uh, channels. Uh, one TV, three channels. Um, and so, one of the things we watched was The Roadrunner, Wile Coyote and The Roadrunner. And if you remember that show, you remember that Wile Coyote tried everything in his power to catch The Roadrunner. I mean, you would, I, I don't know why I sat and watched that show. Because it's the same thing over and over and over again. Wally Coyote would, would strap on a rocket and try to catch the roadrunner. And he wouldn't do it. He would, he would run faster and all of a sudden the roadrunner would stop and, and Wally Coyote would go off the cliff and fall. No matter what he did, he was never successful in capturing the roadrunner. But isn't that the way humanity is for you and I? No matter what we do in life, no matter how much we try, we can never conquer sin and eternal life. We can't do it on our own. We can't we can't be good enough to overcome the power of sin. We can't be good enough to earn our way into heaven. No matter how hard we try, no matter what we do, we will always fail. While he can 
you and I will fail miserably every time we try to do it on our own. The only way we can have eternal life and salvation is in Christ. This morning, do you know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Do you know that there's a God who loves you, who speaks truth to you, whose promises are true, who's never will leave you nor forsake you? The Bible says his plan for you is to give you a hope and a future. Do you understand that? We celebrate Christ today because he is a promise keeper. He, be, he bore our sins on the cross. And three days later, he rose from the grave. Today, he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And he says, whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That could be you today. If you would trust Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Would you stand with me this morning? All heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment. In just a second, we'll pray and we'll offer a hymn of invitation. The invitation is simply this this morning. Do you know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? On this Easter Sunday, have you given your heart to Christ? Have you acknowledged that you have tried on your own to conquer eternal life, sin, but have failed? Today, you can have eternal life. Not because of anything you have done or any action that you can take other than to say, yes, I'm a sinner. And yes, I need to be saved. I believe that God is a God who loves me, who sent his one and only son to die on a cross. If that's you this morning, we invite you to come. If there's another decision on your heart, you come. The altar's here. You can come pray, whatever the case may be. Would you respond to God? Father, today.